I apologize for a strained voice this morning. I'm afraid I celebrated too much during my vacation with my family. Uh, And uh, uh, this week came down with the flu and for about three days had no voice whatsoever. But God has given it back to me enough to speak to you this day, so no excuse. (laughs) We find ourselves this morning on the second Sunday of the Feast of Pentecost. In the Anglican Church, we follow a beautiful cycle of prayer in which we follow the life and teachings of Jesus Christ throughout the year. Two of those events are centered on Jesus' birth. The Messiah long-awaited Messiah coming into the world. And that feast of Christmas is preceded by a four-week period of preparation that we call Advent, in which we try to place ourselves back in the spirit of the ancient world as they waited the coming of a Redeemer with all of the wonderful blessings that that would bring with it. And then we follow that feast of Christmas with a brief period called Epiphany which translated means time of manifestation. When we concentrate on the fact that we who have welcomed Jesus into the world have also received some responsibility from him. And that is to make him known in the world. That we are to be witnesses for him. And he comes into the world in order to encounter the world and to make a difference in the lives of all the people in the world. Then our focus is changed to the ultimate purpose for which Jesus came into the world, to give his life. And we concentrate on his death, burial, and resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. And that season is preceded by a six-week season of preparation that we call Lent, in which we realize that Jesus has come into the world to die for our sins and that we need to honestly confront our sins and present them to the Lord for his forgiveness and receive from him the gift not only of forgiveness, but the gift of strength to be able to live our life from now on more perfectly, more like he calls us to live it. And then after the feast of uh, uh, the resurrection, we celebrate the feast of Pentecost, a period of only 10 days preparation for the great coming of the Holy Spirit, which we recognized as the birthday of the church because this is Jesus's commission to us to take upon ourselves the mantle of the gospel and to be witnesses across the entire world to the gospel of Jesus Christ that everyone that we come in contact with we are to endeavor to share with them the gospel of salvation And this Feast of Pentecost is followed by a long period 
This year, it will be 26 weeks. That's half a year. 26 weeks. I think there must be some significance in the amount of time that's given for us to live into the meaning of Pentecost so that we can understand it more clearly and follow it more perfectly. And so during the season of Pentecost, we spend those weeks analyzing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seeing what the, what the Bible has to say to us about how we are to live our lives. And applying Jesus' teachings to our lives. And living in to the gospel. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next 26 weeks. Now last week was the first week after Pentecost. And it has a special significance. You'll recall it's called Trinity Sunday. Because that's one of the most important mysteries, revelations of God's relationship to us. The Trinity. One God. Three distinct persons. All reaching out to us. We'll never understand the Trinity. It is a mystery. We know it only because God has revealed it to us. It's one of those things that we as Christians have to accept on faith. Because when it comes to the things of God, our limited human nature does not have the ability to take in all, that God, all the goodness and all the greatness that God would have us know about him. Some of it we have to simply take on faith. Trinity is one of those. But once we accept that and live in it, everything else makes sense and falls into place. And so for the next 26 weeks, we're going to be looking at specific ways in which we are called to live the gospel and to apply it to our own lives. Today's readings are very, very basic. First reading came from Samuel. It's the Old Testament. It's that period of time after the judges when Samuel, the anointed priest and prophet, who being priest and prophet, we're able to look back and see, was somewhat an image of Jesus Christ, who is our eternal priest and prophet and Lord and master and redeemer. And it was Samuel's job to lead the people of Israel to be faithful to the calling on their life from God and to remind them that God had set them apart as a special people when God chose to reveal himself to Abraham. Above all the people of the world, God, for his own reason, chose to reveal himself to a Chaldean, 
a, a childless Chaldean by the name of Abraham and promised to give him the desire of his heart, a child that he had gone some 75 years without and longed to have his own son, someone to carry on the family name. And with that great desire that was in Abraham, God gave Abraham the first so-called deal too good to refuse. I want to make you a deal that you can't turn down. If you will honor me only, if you will leave your land and your family and go to a place that I will lead you and honor me and only me as your Lord and God, then I will give you the child of your desire and from your child will come a great and mighty nation so numerous that it will outnumber the stars of the sky and the sands on the seashore. And you will be my people and I will be your God. And Abraham blindly followed God and began that track that ended up with the coming of the Messiah. Now the people of Abraham were a special people. And you know it's not easy to be a special person because it sort of sets you apart from other people. And it sometimes makes you feel a little bit proud or on the other end it makes you feel a little bit reticent to stand out from the crowd and be different because we like the idea of relationships. We like to be liked. We like to be accepted. We like to be a part of the group. We like to hang with the crowd. That's our nature. We like to be that way. And so that's what we see in today's gospel. What's the cry of the people when they come to Samuel? Said, we want to be like other people. We don't want to be special and set apart from others. We want to be like others. They have kings that lead them. They have people whom they recognize. We can't see God. You tell us about God and we follow what you say. But we would like a king to lead us. It's not easy being special and being people of faith and following the faith that God gives to you. It's not easy. The old adage that the grass is always greener on the other side, as we look at people on the, in other ways, in other cultures, who follow other customs, who have other practices of their life, the things that we see very often are very attractive, and we would like to be like them. But we only see the things on the exterior. We don't see all of the dynamics that are going on in between. We only see the things that appeal to us. And we want to be like other people. It's not easy being special. It's only easy being special when you realize that that specialness does not come from you. 
It comes from God. You're not special because of what you have or the ability that you have. You are special because God has given you the ability through Him to be special. To have that relationship that makes your life special. We have to always keep track of where that specialness is. And we who are Christians, who follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, are special. And his gospel is different from any other revealed religion in the world. But (laughs) he wants that specialness to be enjoyed by everyone. That specialness is not meant to cut people out. It's meant to attract them, to bring them in. And we have to learn how to live with that specialness that is ours as followers of Jesus Christ. The Israelites had a hard time understanding this, and they pleaded to Samuel for a king. And Samuel explained to them what a king would do in their life. How a king, given all of that power, could work against them and could penalize them greatly in the end. But all they could see was they wanted to be like other people. And so they were given a king. And the history of the monarchy of Judah and Israel is not an attractive picture. The first king that they were given, Saul, was not able to live up to the responsibilities. And he died a madman trying to kill the one who was appointed to follow him. Under David uh, and under under, uh, Solomon, the kingdom reached its pinnacle and experienced the great power that God had wanted to give to his people. But after that, it was downhill all the way until the kingdom was destroyed. Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel were lost to history. And a small remnant of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin were the only ones that that were left to carry on the promise that God had given them. You know, sometime... The worst thing that can happen to you is to get what you ask for. To receive what you pray for. Because we pray for things that we think are going to benefit us. We pray for things that we think will help us from the externals that we see. And all too often that backfires on us. And when we get what we ask for we find out that uh, we are in terrible trouble. Jesus Christ taught us always to pray, Thy will be done. Pray for the Father's will for us. I don't know if any of you read the story of... uh, Uh, the Midford series about Father Tim in the mountains of North Carolina. Uh, But it's a charming 
a story of a, a village in North Carolina and an Episcopal priest and the dynamics between uh, him and the, and the community that he served. Uh, and he uh, always told the people of the community that he knew the secret to the perfect prayer. That if you prayed this prayer, God would always hear it and God would always answer it. And he would guarantee this prayer would always be heard. And when people asked him what the prayer was, he said, pray that God's will will be done. Not what you want, not what you think you want, but what you know God wants for you. Pray to know God's will and to live in God's will. And that's one of the basic things that we have to understand as Christians. And that's the teaching that comes from today's uh, 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 scripture reading uh, from the book of Samuel. That we must pray for God's will to be done. We must know what God's will for us to, is to be special and to live in that specialness and from that specialness to reach out to other people. That's what we are called to do. Now the second reading that you had from the Gospel of Mark is a troubling gospel. And I watched the faces of many of you as Fred read those passages that had to do with Jesus' family that just didn't strike a good, comfortable chord with us. It sounded out of sync somehow. That Jesus' mother and brothers and sisters had come to the place where he was teaching not to support him or to listen to him or to encourage him, but to take him away from that because they thought he had lost his mind. Born of a simple carpenter and lived all of his life in Nazareth. And all of a sudden he comes up with this messianic complex that he's the savior of the world. And he's going out and preaching this. And they say he has lost his mind. It's time for you to come home where you belong to the carpentry shop and do what you're supposed to do. You know, that's a difficult concept for us to get our mind around. It's something like that could happen to Jesus until we realize that Jesus was both man and God which is the specialness the uniqueness of God of Jesus Christ according to God's plan that he sent Jesus to live in this world and to take our life our human nature upon him and to be like us, as the gospel says, in every way except sin. That God protected him from sin. But that protection was in stabilizing his faith. Because Jesus was a man of faith. Do you think that Jesus knew all of his life who he was as Messiah? That if he knew before all these things happened exactly what was going to happen to him, 
Do you think at the time that he was tortured and crucified and had that terrible death on the cross that somehow his divine nature saved him from experiencing the pain that you or I would experience in that regard? No. Jesus was a person of faith. And it was his faith, realizing what was special about him, that kept him on track and enabled him to continue on. And all through his life, he shows us how he was able to do that. And that's the example that he wants to give to us. When Jesus first started his public life, was baptized by John in the Jordan, what did he do? He went into the desert and spent 40 days fasting and praying because in that moment of his baptism by John and the declaration from God from heaven, the plan of salvation began to unfold in his mind and he was given pieces about what he was being called to do. And to prepare for that, he goes into the desert and he prays. And at the end of that time of prayer, he is confronted by Satan and he is tempted. And Satan tries to pull him away from God's plan. But God gives him the scriptures to counter every assault of Satan. And he came victorious from, uh, from that temptation without falling into sin. But do you remember the words of Luke in the gospel? That after these temptations, Satan left him for a time. <laughs> he didn't give up and say, it's not worth wasting my time on trying to tempt Jesus Christ. No, he went back to strengthen his attacks and look for other opportunities to confront Jesus. And all during Jesus' life, as he preached and performed his miracles, after a busy day of bringing the gospel to people, what do the scriptures tell us that Jesus did? He always concluded the day by going away somewhere to a quiet place, sometime alone, and sometime with one or two of the apostles, and spending that time in prayer and processing what was taking place in his life and the plan that the Father had given him to follow and recommitting himself to follow God's will as God made it known to him. And that was his lifeline of being in prayer, staying with the Scripture and following God's direction. And then finally when we come to the time of his death after the meal in the upper room and they go out to the Garden of Olives he kneels there in prayer prostrates himself on the ground knowing what's coming next and praying to God for strength not to give in and remember what he prayed Father if there is any other way that this can be accomplished without going through what I understand you expect of me, I wish you would consider another way. But if this is the right way, 
your will be done. Not my will, but your will. And three times Jesus prayed that prayer and received the grace and strength to go to the cross and to die for us. All of these things Jesus did for us to show us how we have to learn to live in that specialness of who we are as Christians called to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not easy, but it's necessary. And we need to take that time out to strengthen ourselves. One of the things that we do goes back to the first, com first commandments that God gave the people. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. You've got six days in which to live your life, but you take out a day in which you can come to grips with who you are and what you're dealing with and ask of God the strength to live another week in faithfulness to him. And when we read the gospel, we see that Jesus was in the synagogue every Friday evening. And he was in the temple at the times that the Mosaic law required them to be in the presence of God in the temple. And that we need to do the same thing. We need to keep holy the Sabbath day. We need to be with God's people, under God's blessing, listening to God's teaching every Sunday. Not one Sunday a month, not four Sundays a year. Every Sunday, we need to be in God's presence to be faithful to what he's calling us to do. There's nothing that can make you do that. That's something that you have to come into an understanding that this is important for you. And that's what we will be looking at during these 26 weeks of Pentecost. What it means to be a Christian. What it means to be special in the eyes of God. And what you have that other people don't have that they need to receive from you. Because you are the one that has the power to give it to them. It's not easy being special. There's some great responsibilities that God places on you. But the blessings that you receive far outweigh those responsibilities. Amen? Amen. Amen.